China has reacted angrily to a proposed 500 million U.S. dollar arms sale from the U.S. of infrared search and track systems for Taiwan's fleet of F-16 fighter jets. China is demanding that the U.S. cancel the sale. In addition, Taiwan's government has allocated a military budget of over 606 billion NT for next year, the highest ever. China has furiously retorted that the ruling DPP's presidential candidate Lai Qingde is himself a time bomb that could cause a war to erupt at any moment. But for now, it's just a war of words, as ruling DPP lawmakers counterattacked by saying if China is critical of Taiwan, it must mean that Taiwan is moving in the right direction. The U.S. Biden administration has announced it will sell infrared search and track systems for Taiwan's F-16V fighter jets for a total price of 500 million U.S. dollars, leaving Chinese officials hopping mad. Beijing's Taiwan Affairs Office spokesperson Zhu Fenglian said that the ruling DPP was using the hard-earned tax money of Taiwanese compatriots to purchase weaponry. She added that fomenting feelings of Taiwan independence and succession from the mainland would never usher in security. The Chinese Ministry of Foreign Affairs also had this to say. The U.S. arms sales to China's Taiwan region seriously violate international law and basic norms governing international relations, harm peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait, and send gravely wrong signals to Taiwan independent separatist forces. We urge the U.S. to earnestly abide by the One China Principle and the stipulations of the three China-U.S. joint communiques, immediately cancel the planned arms sale to Taiwan, and stop arms sales to and military contact with Taiwan. Since 7 a.m. today, we've successfully detected the PRC's J-10 and J-11 military aircraft, along with Xian H-6 bombers and UAVs. A total of 22 sorties have been detected, and 13 sorties entered our designated response area. In addition, five PRC vessels took part in these PRC Joint Combat Readiness Coordinated Drills. On one hand, China is blaming U.S. arms sales for endangering stability in the Taiwan Strait. On the other hand, it is increasing its efforts to harass Taiwan. Faced with both propaganda and military threats from China, the Tsai administration has formally announced that next year's national defence budget will be 440.6 billion NT. In addition, with funds designated for improvements to air and sea combat power, new procurements for fighter jets and other related expenses, total defence spending for next year will be 606.8 billion NT, an increase of more than 30 billion over the year before. Next year's total defence budget, including funds and special budgets, will reach 606.8 billion NT in a record high, and its ratio to our GDP is expected to reach 2.5%. President Tsai Ing-wen is stressing Taiwan is showing resolve to defend itself. However, China had more words to say about the increase to Taiwan's defence budget via The Voice of the Strait, a news outlet under the PLA's Strategic Support Department. 
The outlet claims that Taiwanese military expenditures had reached a new high after the Chinese joint exercises, saying that the DPP's response was an embarrassment that only drew strong condemnation. It also says that the DPP's presidential candidate, Vice President Lai Ching-de, is an uncontrollable variable in cross-strait relations and even Sino-US relations that made him a potential time bomb for igniting war that could go off any time. The more the CPP smears us and curses us, the more Taiwan is moving in the right direction. We are only halfway there to reaching the goal of having a defense budget of 3% of the GDP. In the future, a joint defense from democracies from Taiwan, the US and other nations can ensure the security of the Taiwan Strait. DPP lawmakers insist that Taiwan must continue to strengthen its combat readiness, and only then can it respond to China's incremental pressure. Taiwan will reopen its borders to Chinese tourists starting September 1st. This preliminary opening affects only Chinese nationals who come to Taiwan via a third territory. That is Chinese passport holders who study, reside or visit Hong Kong, Macau or any other country in the world. The Mainland Affairs Council says there are also plans to reopen Taiwan to tour groups from China after a one-month preparation period. Under that scheme, tour group arrivals will be capped at 2,000 passengers a day. After three years suspended, cross-strait tourism is set to soon resume. The Mainland Affairs Council has announced that starting September 1st, Chinese nationals residing, traveling or studying in Hong Kong, Macau or a third country will be allowed to apply to enter Taiwan as tourists. Group travel will soon be allowed too, but a date has not yet been set. The preliminary plan is to cap Chinese tour group arrivals at 2,000 arrivals per day. The council says that, based on the principle of reciprocity, 2,000 Taiwanese tourists would also be allowed to enter China every day. The resumption of group tourism could start after a preparation period of one month, depending on China's response to the proposal. The tourism industry has called for the resumption to happen as soon as possible. If a concrete number of visitors can be finalised, it would allay some of the concerns. Based on past experience, if everything goes smoothly in the trial period, the program will get expanded gradually. A tourism expert says he is optimistic about the initial proposal. A look at past tourism numbers shows that the year before the pandemic, about 930,000 Chinese tourists entered Taiwan from Hong Kong, Macau or a third country. Though the number is not huge, it is enough to get tourism operators excited about returning business opportunities. Reallowing Chinese nationals who are residing or travelling abroad can attract some tourists to Taiwan. It is a good start. Businesses are prepared for this because they've been waiting for this for a long time. Over in tourism hotspots like Ximen in Taipei, currently most of the tourists are from Southeast Asian countries or Japan and South Korea. Some businesses in the area say they look forward to the return of Chinese tourists, but others are not so keen. We can't just not allow them to come, but if we allow them in, there has to be some limits. The government has to keep it under control. It can't be like before when everything got out of hand. I think allowing Chinese tourists back won't be of any use. They cause trouble and are very inconsiderate. Whenever they buy anything, they shout it to the four winds. And they cut in line. 
Back in August, China began allowing tour groups to travel to Japan once again, raising concerns among some Japanese business owners that their arrival could actually cause the tourism industry to suffer. Whether the return of Chinese tourists around the world is a net positive or a negative has become a hot topic for businesses dependent on tourism. The presidential office announced on Friday morning that President Tsai Ing-wen will visit Taiwan's sole African ally, Eswatini, in early September. The tour, titled Celebration of Friendship and Sustainable Cooperation, will see Tsai and her delegation visit the southern African nation for four days and three nights, starting September 5th. This year happens to be the 55th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic relations between our nation and the Kingdom of Eswatini, the 55th anniversary of the independence of the Kingdom of Eswatini, and the 55th birthday of King Swati III. At the sincere invitation of King Swati, President Tsai from September the 5th to September the 8th will lead a delegation to visit Eswatini. In addition to showing the importance that our nation attaches to our allies, we also hope that through this visit we can strengthen our bilateral cooperation and gain an on-the-ground understanding of the state of each of our cooperation plans with Eswatini in public health care, women's rights and so on. President Tsai's goals for this visit are jointly celebrating the two nations' friendship and promoting sustainable cooperation. The good friendship between the RIC Taiwan and Eswatini that we are jointly celebrating will only become stronger as time goes on. We look forward to the countries in future to be moving forward hand in hand and on the basis of bilateral mutual assistance and mutual benefit, creating the well-being of our two peoples through sustainable development in all areas of cooperation. Sources say the presidential aircraft will leave Taiwan on September 5th and fly directly to Eswatini. After arriving, Tsai will meet with King Swati II and sign cooperation papers before dining at a banquet with members of the overseas Taiwanese community. On September 6th, she will take part in celebrations of the king's birthday and the Eswatini's independence. On September 7th, Tsai will inspect the results of a project for women with Taiwan's International Cooperation and Development Fund and dine in the evening with a technical team. On September 8th, she will take the presidential aircraft back to Taiwan. With warming ocean waters threatening much of the world's coral reefs, some ecologists are using simple technology to help restore them. Voice of America's Julie Tabo has more. Coral reefs are in danger. Rapidly warming ocean waters is the main reason they're dying in record numbers. This disturbing trend has motivated some people to act. Joni Klapus is a coral reef scientist and director of Raising Coral Costa Rica. I've worked on coral reefs for a long time, mainly as a scientist. And I got really tired of telling people how bad it's going to be and decided to, to say, what can we do to make the reefs more resilient? And that's why we started this project. Their project involves taking small pieces of coral from the wild and growing them in underwater nurseries for replanting on the reefs. The team uses simple technology to keep track of where the coral fragments come from to find the most resilient. We're also distributing our corals to many more locations 
with things like temperature sensors and monitoring, just just to make sure we are gathering as much information we can about where to put them in the future. Restoration projects such as these are essential. By some estimates, the world has already lost 50% of its corals in the past 30 years due to global warming. If corals die, their disappearance will have a catastrophic impact on life both in and out of the ocean. Coral reefs protect our shorelines, maintain biodiversity in the water, and are essential to marine life. Another group that's helping to restore coral is ArchiReef, a climate technology company that's developed 3D-printed terracotta reef tiles that can be embedded into strategic areas of the ocean floor as a substrate to help grow new coral. We place them with divers, we place them at the bottom of the ocean, and then we place coral fragments on top. One of the benefits of the lightweight tiles is they can be moved to deeper, cooler waters as needed. A diver can essentially deploy up to about 40 square meters in a single day uh, by themselves. That versatility has helped both projects achieve success as ocean temperatures continue to rise. In the words of renowned American oceanographer Sylvia Earle, the corals need the fish, the fish need the corals. If you take the fish away, the corals die. Take the corals away, the fish die. Julie Tabo, VOA News. Taiwan's Ministry of Economic Affairs has set up a special display of 30 new technological inventions at the Meat Greater South Expo in Kaohsiung. One of the most eye-catching inventions was the world's first technological system for surveying fish grounds with drones. It has already been tested in the Marshall Islands in the North Pacific Ocean. The system has a communications range of up to 60 kilometers and applies AI to catch fish. Not only does the invention reduce costs for fishers, it can also lead to bigger catches with less labor. The Ministry of Economic Affairs is showing off 30 innovative technological achievements at the 2023 Meet Greater South Expo. In the process from innovation to new creations, our successful model is connecting the government with our research institutions and then extending these very important cooperation systems to our enterprises. There are three main themes promoted in this exhibition from the Ministry of Economic Affairs. The first is technology that links long-distance fishing industries with Taiwan. The second is net-zero emissions technologies. And the third is startup teams. Together, they have an output value of more than 43.5 billion NT. There are hopes that this will push the Asia New Bay area in Kaohsiung to become an important smart technology hub in Taiwan. The ministry also announced the launch of the world's first ever drone team that uses technology to explore fishing grounds. This technology system for surveying fishing grounds can simultaneously dispatch four drones to explore fishing hotspots. It already has been tried out in the Marshall Islands in the North Pacific Ocean. It does not only reduce costs, but fishing catches are also more lavish. The accuracy of its judgment is as high as 80%, and the communications distance can be as high as 60 kilometers. That can improve efficiency and ensure the safety of workers involved. It will take three to five years before this industry is relatively mature. So far, the testing time at sea has been extremely short. 
Kaohsiung remains an important hub for long-distance fishing, but outings often take more than half a year, and the industry still relies on human fishers to search for shoals. Recruitment problems can now be solved thanks to the combination of artificial intelligence and fishers' experience. The advancement can halve working hours out at sea while increasing production value, paving the way for a high-tech advanced ecosystem in the long-distance fishing industry. Minister of Digital Affairs Audrey Tang answered questions from the press Friday on her ministry's work in its first year of operations. Tang said the ministry had made progress on several cybersecurity projects while expanding cooperation with international partners such as Israel. She added that a major project to crack down on fraudulent impersonations of government officials would be launched next month. From then on, messages from the government will be easily recognizable for recipients as they will all be sent from a three-digit phone number, 111. Wearing an all-black suit, Minister of Digital Affairs Audrey Tang took questions from the press. As the Ministry of Digital Affairs approaches its first anniversary, critics have cast doubt on the effectiveness of the body's fraud prevention policies, the frequency of her visits to other countries and the progress on a news media bargaining code. We visited countries like Israel and we did so publicly, giving speeches at cybersecurity conferences. We spoke about the response measures Taiwan adopted when U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan last August. Exporting these kinds of cybersecurity innovations can help us build relationships with other countries and secure markets and platforms for Taiwan. Tang emphasized the trips aimed to build partnerships with other countries and deepen digital cooperation in the fields of cybersecurity and application innovation. She said it's also a way to promote Taiwan's soft power. The minister also spoke on the issue of online scams, saying that the government was working together with e-commerce platforms, introducing security mechanisms in logistics operations and establishing collaborative defence platforms. Tang also announced that the ministry would soon launch a system whereby text messages from the government will be sent from a dedicated telephone number, just three digits long. When government bodies send messages out from a 10-digit telephone number, people often think that it's a scam. To solve the problem, we chose a three-digit number and decided that the easiest number to remember would be 111. In the future, all text messages from the government will be sent out from the 111 number instead of a regular 10-digit number. The Digital Ministry hopes the change will allow the general public to better tell the difference between official communications and frauds and crack down on government impersonation. A trial period will start in late September. We expect to have a draft amendment for the Electronic Signatures Act and the Cybersecurity Management Act by the end of the year. Tang said some other goals for the ministry, including expanding internet access in mountainous areas and further developing digital infrastructure. But whether the projects will be appreciated by the general public remains to be seen. And now we head to Nanto City to visit a hidden gem. This izakaya serves up barbecue beef custom grilled to your order. You can have it as rare or as well done as you like. The owner, Chiu Yao Wei, wants every diner to get the exact meal they dream of. He also has a menu of Vietnamese dishes designed for the large Vietnamese community in the neighborhood. 
beef sizzles on the grill. Each steak cooks for a different length of time, not because the owner is distracted, but because each steak gets a custom grilling. These two each have their own idea of a perfect steak. He likes it slightly rare. She doesn't mind if the skin starts to go golden and even char a little. The owner notes each order carefully. Restaurant goers are more and more picky. It's not like other barbecue places where you can't choose. They're quite considerate here. I don't like to eat them when they're too raw, so I like it done a bit better. Here you can control its doneness. This Izakaya owner is still in his 20s. He's passionate about the ingredients and spent several years researching barbecues after he finished national service. He also makes Vietnamese dishes for the Vietnamese neighbors who work so hard nearby. There are lots of Vietnamese migrant workers at Nangang Industrial Park, so I made some kind of local Vietnamese dishes for them to suit their taste. Chiu Yahweh is keen to cater properly to all his customers, no matter their preferences. Many Taiwanese diners can say his crisp and fresh Vietnamese dishes are their favorite, especially on a scorching hot summer's day. Two tropical storms are currently moving in the western Pacific. The closest one to Taiwan is Tropical Storm Saula, which is located to the southeast of Taiwan's Hunchun Peninsula. The effects from that storm will be felt in Taiwan on Wednesday and Thursday. Let's hear from the Central Weather Bureau. Taiwan will see sunny to overcast skies all the way into the weekend, with afternoon thunder showers. Tropical storm Sayola will be moving southward during this period, heading away from Taiwan. On Monday, the storm will veer north again and approach Taiwan. There are big uncertainties regarding its path. Different paths will have different levels of impact on Taiwan, but regardless of the direction it takes, the eastern half of the island will undoubtedly receive significant rainfall in windward areas. The CWB says the storm may be upgraded to a typhoon as early as Saturday morning. Though it may strengthen further, it is not expected to become a severe typhoon. The Bureau says it may issue a sea warning on Tuesday and urges the general public to take typhoon precautions.